You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. Legality, it's never the end of the moral discussion. We have to also ask if, if what is being done is right. Not just if it's legal, if it's right. Law and order arguments, they too often fail to account for for whether the laws people are breaking are unjust. This is Herb Montgomery with Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome all of you listeners out there to episode 276 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee might have to offer us today in our work of love, compassion, action, and justice. Our title this week is Jesus, Law, and Order, and our feature text is Luke 22:52. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple police, and the elders who had come for him, have you come out with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? I want you to try something this week that I think will be difficult for many Christians, and that's to consider Jesus as a, a lawbreaker. In Luke's story, just two days have passed since Jesus engaged a disruptive social protest in the temple. And, and remember, it wasn't a, a religious protest. Jesus wasn't protesting his own religion. He was protesting against the aristocratic elite that was using the temple state to exploit the poor. His concern was not the temple's purity. That, that, that's a concern that, that drove the monastic knights of the historically brutal Christian crusades. Instead, Jesus' concern was the oppression of impoverished people in his own society, people who, who he believed also bore the image of God and whose situation was worsened by the elite. You can see an example of this in, in Mark 12, 42 through 44, the story of the, the widow's mites. But after his, his last temple protest, Jesus was arrested by the temple police. And that's what I want you to try to get your head around uh, this week. Jesus got himself arrested by the police. Think back to the the statement of of Dr. King that that we considered in our last podcast. I I would be the first, this is from his uh, letter from a Birmingham jail in May of 1963. I would be the first to advocate obeying just laws. One has not only a legal, but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. Jesus didn't break laws just for the sake of it. Rather, Jesus chose to break laws that he deemed were unjust and that were hurting uh, people. Let's consider some examples uh, from our more recent past. The reason that King even had to address the issue of lawbreaking was that that quite a bit of the, the civil rights movement's activism, it included civil disobedience to unjust and racially discriminatory laws, even apparently neutral laws, laws uh, that, uh, that were... Uh, 
were were uh, claimed to be neutral, they were disobeyed because segregationists were using even them uh, uh, to obstruct the the civil rights movement. So when when slavery became illegal, let's go back and look at some of this this history. When 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 slavery was first outlawed in the United States, Jim Crow segregation laws were created in the South, and and those who migrated north of the Mason Mason Dixon line, they did so too, only to find hostility there as well. A racist population used Jim Crow laws to keep black people entrenched in a type of post-slavery slavery. And if you want more of the history behind this, I want to recommend Carol Anderson's White Rage, The Unspoken Truth About Our Racial Divide. Um, it was one of our, our featured texts, or our featured books, our book of the month, uh, uh, I think last year, maybe the year before. But, but uh if an emancipated person, and, and understand how this worked, if they broke the law, they were re-enslaved through a quote-unquote justice system that permitted slavery as a punishment for crimes. So unjust and, and unreasonable laws, they almost guaranteed a return to slavery in, in some form. I want to also recommend Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration and Age of Colorblindness. Um, that was published in 2012. But after the gains of the civil rights movement, the powerful responded to these new civil rights that had been gained with a, a racially biased drug war. This is from uh, John... Uh, Ehrlichman, and remember, he was a, a Watergate conspirator. He was a top Nixon advisor, and and I'm quoting him. The source for this is uh, an article by Dan Baum in, in Harper's Magazine entitled "Legalize It All: How to Win the War on Drugs." But uh, this this is from from John Ehrlichman. Uh, he says, "You understand what I'm saying." We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black. But by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuanas and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. President Nixon's drug war. It took on even more. It took on a new vigor and, and, and popularity under President Reagan. During the 1980s, we also saw a spike in, in Hollywood movies that like like Lethal Weapon and Beverly Hills Cop. These movies were selling the narrative of a hero cop who's fighting a pervasive or all-pervading drug war in America. And today, being incarcerated as a result of America's drug war has left multitudes of people of color disenfranchised from their, their political system unable to find work or or even housing assistance and 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 even more and th that's why what just happened in Florida in this last election was so important for re-enfranchising so many who had had their their voting right taken away but today being incarcerated as a result of America's drug war um it's again um it's got a racial history to it a racial bias at its heart the story of Jesus 
I think has something to teach us here. In Luke's gospel, in a passage from Isaiah that links the liberation of the poor with the emancipation of those in prison, um, we, 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 we come to realize that systems of oppression, they use imprisonment, as, as Ehrlichman and Nixon did, to silence resistance and, and to silence opposition under the guise of a concern for law and order. This is Luke 4, 18 through 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed, anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So just as small government rhetoric or fiscally responsible government rhetoric, those have a deeply racist past. Law and order rhetoric, it does too. Again, I want to recommend the same book, White Rage by, by Carol Anderson. It's no wonder that in the Gospels, Jesus identifies not only with the poor, the naked, and the sick, but also the imprisoned. Look at Matthew 25, 43. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not take care of me. And take note that Jesus specifically names not just those that are in prison, but the stranger, or in today's language, the immigrant in this list too. I find it equally offensive to see many of my peers, uh, privileged white Christians, using law and order arguments when discussing immigration and asylum seeking, it's lawful for anyone to enter a country to seek asylum. You're, that's not illegal. And no one deserves to have their family separated and their children torn from them and placed in inhumane facilities and to not even keep track of how many you've separated. We simply... We don't in this country, we don't provide a legal path toward citizenship for far too many. There are many out there that want a, a, a legal path toward citizenship, but we don't we don't offer that. There, there, there has to be a merciful solution, a compassionate solution for those who are are are, are fleeing social violence that that our global policies have directly and indirectly helped to create. If you can't see this as a matter of justice, then for pity's sake, have mercy. As Jesus taught in Matthew 5, blessed are the merciful, for they too will be shown mercy. No person is illegal. They are children of God, and they share the same image of God as you. They, there are human siblings. And, and Meyer's groundbreaking commentary on the Gospel of Mark, it offers insights that, that affirms my deep feelings that, that it's inconsistent for those of us who identify as Christians to use law and order rhetoric to deny mercy and justice to those who are victims of unjust and unmerciful laws. We can't say that we have, we can't use uh, law and order as an argument. This is from uh, Binding the Strong Man, a political reading of Mark's story, page 162. 
as in the modern practice of civil disobedience, which might break the law in order to raise deeper issues of its morality and purpose, so Jesus, just before crossing the line, issues a challenge to his audience, pitting his mission of compassion and justice to the poor against the imperatives of the dominant order, Jesus calls the entire ideological edifice of the law to account. You see, legality, it's never the end of the moral discussion. We have to also ask if if what is being done is right, not just if it's legal, if it's right. Uh, last week, we many in the U.S., we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and, and Dr. King wrote in that same letter that we quoted above, letter from Birmingham Jail, he said, we should never forget that everything Adolf Hitler did in Germany was legal. It was illegal to aid and comfort a Jew in Hitler's Germany. Even so, I am sure, had I lived in Germany at that time, I would have aided and comforted my Jewish brothers. Law and order arguments, they too often fail to account for, for whether the laws people are breaking are unjust. Are, are, and are those that are breaking such laws, are they practicing actually a, a moral responsibility by breaking those laws, laws that are rooted in in racist ideology uh, to begin with. And you go back and, and check out our, 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 our podcast or our e-site entitled No Room in the End for, for, for examples of that today. Today, law and order arguments, they're used to defend things like police brutality, uh, both the inhumane existence of and the inhumane actions by agencies such as the, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement or ICE or, or Customs and Border Patrol or CP, CBP. Uh, what I'm saying is that there must be a better way, a just way, a merciful way. We can debate what those solutions might be, but whatever they are, law and order arguments have a long oppressive history. And I cannot for the life of me understand, given the Jesus story itself, how Christians continue to promote them. When people were suffering, Jesus prioritized people over concern for law and order. And as followers of Jesus, we should be practicing the same. Jesus broke the law when those laws contradicted justice and compassion for people. And his refusal to go along with law and order when people were suffering that's why he was arrested in the first place. Remember Luke twenty-two fifty-two. Then Jesus said to the chief priest and the officers of the temple police and the elders who had come to arrest him. Heart group application this week. I want you to consider four stories from our sacred text. The first one is in Acts 4 where early followers of Jesus were called to disobey uh, the authorities uh, because of unjust requirements. Another one is in Acts 5, 27 through 29. I'll put links to these in the east side this week. Uh, so Acts 4, 18 through 20, Acts 5, 27 through 29. And then I want you to go back to the Hebrew sacred text, uh, Daniel 3, 
uh, 13 through 18 and Daniel 6, 6 through 10. All of these are great examples of, uh, of, of resistance in the, the, the biblical narratives. But as a group, as a heart group this week, I want you to make a list of laws, either federal, state, or municipal, that you believe are good and right, that they're just laws, and then discuss with your group why they are. And then I want you to make a list of laws that you feel are unjust and discuss why you feel they're unjust as well. And then thirdly, I want you to make a list of laws that just are unjust that you feel could be used uh, to discriminate and or disenfranchise certain vulnerable sectors of our of our society and then discuss why that is as well. What are some of the ways that you can follow Jesus in putting people first by living in resistance to, to some of those laws? And what does civil disobedience look like when we choose to put people who are hurt by certain laws first and firm, foremost in our doing. Are there times when, when we need to be willing to risk even arrest for breaking immoral laws in the course of following Jesus and discuss what, 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 what that could look like? What does it look like to engage even in the work of changing immoral laws in our society? And consider when you do this, each level of our civil systems, what's it look like on the municipal level, the state level, and the federal level? And don't forget, not just in our civil society, but but your religious community as well. Are there unjust laws or unjust rules in your religious communities that you that you choose already to live in non-compliance with? And, and why is that? Have you ever considered how non-compliance can be a, a spiritual discipline in, in following Jesus? And this should give us just rich ground for discussion and action this week in, in your heart group. Thank you so much for, for checking in with this week. I am so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're journeying with us wherever you are. Keep living in love, compassion, action, and justice. Remember, another world is possible. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you.